Is it finals or bust for the Milwaukee Bucks? How can Giannis drag this team back to the NBA Finals and get another win? Talk to Kane Pittman about all that. Welcome into the Lockdown NBA Playoff Preview. I'm Nick Engstead of Lockdown NBA, and I'm joined by Kane Pittman of Lockdown Bucks to talk about everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks going into the postseason. Kane, the Milwaukee Box, as you call them. I love the way you say Bucks, <laughs> and every time I listen to Lockdown Bucks, I start saying that to myself afterwards. What do the Bucks need to do to get to the finals? And what's been the biggest on-court story for the, this team this year? Well, if you had to tell me about the Milwaukee Bucks at the start of the season, if you had said that they would have the number one record in the NBA, I wouldn't have probably believed you. We did an over and under podcast at the start of the season, and I think the win total was at about 53 uh, and a half, so you know, 54 wins for the over. I took the over, but I wasn't optimistic about it. And then on, on top of that, if you had told me that Chris Milton was going to play 33 games and the majority of those games he was going to be on a minutes restriction and really not look all that healthy, I wouldn't have thought that there was any chance they would be in this position. But they've done it with defense uh, has been the most part. They, they finished fourth overall in defensive rating, but for much of the season, they were number one. So uh, early in the season when it was a grind and Chris Milton wasn't there, it was the defense that carried this team. What's the playoff rotation for the Bucks looking like right now? Give me the starters. Give me a couple of players off the bench that are guaranteed. And then if there's a couple of players on the bubble that you think could play or that Bud could decide maybe not to play. Yeah, it's a great question because this is a deep team and full of veterans that have played a lot of postseason basketball in the past. So if we assume that everyone's healthy, so Milton did hurt his knee again last week, which was not great. Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton are dealing with ankle uh, sprains at the moment but let's assume that everyone's there so your starters throughout the season have been uh, Giannis, Chris, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen so if we assume they start game one in the first round the guys that you're looking at coming off the bench Jay Crowder who they traded for at the deadline we think he's going to be in the rotation Joe Ingles has been really important particularly for the half-court offense so he'll be out there and then Javon Carter 81 games this season, over 20 minutes per game, shooting 43% from the three-point line as well has been a really, really important piece. And then you probably have Bobby Portis. Now, that's nine guys already. And you're not talking about uh, guys like Wesley Matthews in that rotation there at that point. Pat Connaughton, who's been a starter in the postseason in the past. So those are the nine guys, but this team definitely runs deep. What are the biggest strengths and weaknesses of this team? Let's say, like you said, they're all going to be playing right now. How have they generally won games and how have they lost games this season? De- well, it's been the defense for the most part. This team actually ranked 15th overall in offensive rating. So absolutely middle of the pack. And before Chris Middleton came back in late January, this was a team that was ranked 23rd in offense overall. The half-court offense was disastrous. They weren't able to get a- any easy points. And even the transition game wasn't great. But defensively, they're still in the top at 10 in the league in terms of protecting the paint, uh, points in the paint with Brooke Lopez and Giannis there. And they've also cut down on the amount of three-point shots that they give up, three-point attempts. Last year, they gave up over 40 per game, which was number one in the league. They came into the season and said they were going to protect the three-point line a little bit better. They've cut that all the way back down to 34 uh, this season, which is a pretty dramatic shift when you consider the way the game is played these days to reduce the opponent three-point attempts by six. So, uh, defensively, they've been elite. I haven't mentioned Drew Holiday yet. You add Jay Crowder. Uh, so this is this is a, an elite defensive team, no doubt, no doubt about it. Oh, absolutely. What's the key to that half-court offense for, for the Bucs? Because, like you said, they haven't been a really good offensive team. But in a playoff setting, do you expect 
their issues that they've had in the regular season to get better, to get exposed more? Like, what are you looking at when you look at how the game changes from regular season to playoffs? Yeah, this is why we keep talking about Chris Middleton, because when he did come back on January 22nd, after that uh, return from him, which was really his second return for the season, but after he returned, the Bucs finished the regular season 29-7, and and the last two games no one played. So they were essentially 29-5 and since Chris Middleton came back. Uh, he's an excellent operator in a pick and roll, particularly uh, with Giannis. The Bucs don't have a true point guard. Drew Holiday can facilitate, but he's not Chris Paul out there. And and then the addition of Joe Ingles has also been really helpful, particularly with Brooke Lopez, because those two in pick and roll scenarios have been awesome. And Brooke Lopez has averaged over 20 points per game uh, since the start of February. He's been on an absolute tear. And it hasn't been by shooting the threes. It's by... Uh, getting in the paint and dominating like he used to do when he was playing for the New Jersey Nets, Nick. So <laughs> those two guys really have helped uh, the function of the half-court offense because we've seen earlier in the season, the Bucks got too happy and maybe they just didn't have other options, but too often they were caught up with, all right, let's give the ball to Giannis and let's see what he can do with it with everyone else standing on the three-point line. They're going to have a bit more uh, action in the offense and we've seen that with those two guys. Brooke Lopez, still the the number one scorer in Nets history, right? Like the number one <laughs> franchise history. What a crazy... It's because they keep trading everyone. You know? <laughs> no, one's, no one's there long enough. <laughs> what a crazy career. Yeah, it's going to be like Nick Claxton next. Um, what are the expectations for this team? From Let's do three levels. What are the fans' expectations? What is the team themselves? What, are the, what do they expect? And then what do you expect them to do? Well, I think for the fans and the team, they will say that it's a title. Now, they might not. The, the fans will say if they don't win a title, then it's a disaster. The team might not come out publicly and say that, but they should definitely feel that way. They have the number one record in the entire NBA. And if you look at the way the standings has shaken out, this is why getting the number one seed was so important. It's not to say if the Bucks end up playing uh, the Cavs in the second round or the Knicks or whoever it is. It's not to say that that will be a cakewalk, but... The other second-round series, we believe, is going to be Boston and Philadelphia, and we think that that could be an absolute bloodbath for seven games. It's going to be physical, and whoever comes out, we hope that the Milwaukee Bucks are, are waiting for them. So they should they should have the expectation to win a title. I don't see why that it would be anything less than that. We're gonna we're gonna assume a couple of rounds for the Bucks here. If they had their choice, if they had that, you know, that they talked about having the, you know, the number one seed should get to pick who they get to play. Let's say that they, <laughs> let's say the Bucks are given that power this year. If they have to choose between playing the Celtics or the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals, who would they choose, do you think? I think they would pick Philadelphia because they actually are a little easier for this team. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easier to defend the Sixers than it is uh, the Boston Celtics, because the Bucks last year were cooked by a lack of wings and Chris Milton wasn't there, Crowder wasn't there, Ingles wasn't there. So they think that they've got some some better guys to uh, potentially tackle Tatum and Jalen Brown, not, uh, not literally, but uh, they'll be able to deal with them on the perimeter. But if you look at Philadelphia, they have Brooke Lopez who can deal with Joel Embiid and at least in the past has turned him into a bit of a, a jump shooter rather than getting to the free throw line. They've got Drew Holiday who can guard uh, James Harden. So I, I think across the board, uh, the Bucs are, are better suited to play Philadelphia. And probably the, the other big bonus is the fact that PJ Tucker is kind of someone that they can put Giannis on defensively and he doesn't really need to worry about PJ Tucker. And then he's just floating around causing chaos on the defensive end. So I think it would be Philadelphia. Right now, the uh, the Bucks have the number one odds to win the title on FanDuel, plus 240 right now. 
uh, what would stop them from winning the title? So those, those people out there that are putting their money and hoping that plus 240 holds out, what would stop? What would make those people not win their money? Well, historically, the Bucks have been an awful three-point shooting team in the postseason. So I, I think all Bucks fans are just sitting back and saying, hey, can we knock down some threes this year? Because that would make our life a lot easier. Because even when they won the title in 2021, the three-point shooting was disastrous until they got to the NBA Finals. But outside of other things that can go wrong, the health of James Christian Middleton is the one thing that Bucks fans are very, very concerned about right now <laughs> because we just don't know where he's at. And so if he is there, uh, the Bucks should feel uh, like they're in at least the best position possible and certainly better than last year when he wasn't there when they uh, played Boston in the second round. Is there one, if you had to bet, one player that would surprise somebody that hadn't watched the Bucks maybe all year, maybe caught one or two games, is there one player that could surprise some some people in a game could it be a Javon Carter or maybe a Bobby Portis or somebody? It would be Javon Carter because I think out of I think most of the Bucks veteran players are pretty well known, but I think that that stat would surprise people if they hadn't watched the Bucks to see how much Javon Carter has played this season. He defends full court, so I could see him having a playoff game where uh, he'll pick up a couple of steals, and he's definitely not shy. Uh, shooting the ball he shoots these transition pull-up threes when you've got all these weapons everywhere he'll pull up and he'll knock them down so he could have a playoff game where he hits five or six threes and uh, there will be I'm sure people watching who are wondering who this guy is Javon Carter being a a good three-point shooter in the NBA surprised me thinking about who he was coming out of the draft and and all that but uh, if you want to hear more about the Milwaukee Bucks go check out Locked on Bucks with Kane Pittman Uh, Frank Madden joining him all the time as well on the Locked on Bucks YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast great stuff covering all throughout however long the Bucks playoff series and uh, and playoff run goes thanks everybody for hanging out with us in the Locked on NBA playoff preview